Hey everybody, it's Brian. Thanks for tuning in. If you're ready to buy or sell a home in Pierce, South King, or Snohomish County, please check out John Hurlbutt and his team over at Altitude Homes. John's an old friend and someone I know you can trust. He will also donate $500 to Ben's Fund for every closed transaction. I know how hard it is to find a real estate agent who has your best interests in mind. John can be that guy for you and benefit a great cause to boot. Check them out on the web at altitude-re.com slash hb. Again, altitude-re.com slash hb. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. That's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Everybody, welcome back. Uh, it's Brian Nemhauser, uh, HawkBlogger.com, and uh, as always, at HawkBlogger on Twitter slash HawkBlogger on Facebook. Or if you want to be a HawkBlogger patron, um, Patreon.com slash HawkBlogger. I know a lot of you already are, so it's great to have you there. Um, and tonight, we were doing the first of two Real Hawk Talk podcasts because, folks, we're getting into the real part of the season. Um, we had the first Seahawks scrimmage on Saturday. Uh, both Evan and I were there. We'll give some takes on that and talk about that. And then this coming Thursday, we're going to do something pretty fun. Uh, first time we've done it, we're going to uh, do another pod, and we're going to do it live starting in the fourth quarter of the game. Things kind of start winding down a little bit. We'll start talking about the game and talking about what we've seen. And uh, I encourage you all to join uh, real time um, as we go through what we're seeing and, and answer questions and, and just hang out. Uh, as a Seahawks community. So uh, tonight, you know, as our usual, we've got, uh, we're gonna have three guests. Um, you know, we've got Evan, uh, who's already started things out with some food takes about pie and cake. Uh, Evan, welcome back to the show. Thank you, and I stand by those takes. Um, and then, of course, co-host Jeff Simmons up there in Toronto. How you doing, dude? I'm good. I hope you guys don't hate me from uh, the Jays this weekend. Oh my God! Yeah, why did you have to bring that up? That was so obnoxious. I know. I, I wrote Lydia Cruz a tweet this week. I just said all the bad Jays fans are on the West Coast. I feel bad for you guys. Oh yeah, she was getting harassed, and she came back hard at some fans. I saw that. Lydia, no joke. And then you know, just just as uh, just in time, um, and as someone who works in the tech industry, he's he's accustomed to. JIT style, uh, you know, broadcasting. So uh, Nathan Ernst back on the show. Uh, welcome, Nathan. Hello. Hi. How you doing, dude? Pretty good. Pretty good. Sorry I'm late. That's all right. You, you were, like I said, you were just in time. We were just talking about Evan's uh, food takes and, and uh, Jeff. I'm very sad to have missed that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, uh, Jeff is apologizing for his uh, terrible baseball team beating our apparently terrible baseball team who can't protect a three-run lead in Texas either. Um, but, you know, that's what we're here talking Seahawks for, right? You need a break from the Mariners. Um, we all do from time to time. Um, 
let's get started with uh, a little bit of conversation around um, storylines heading into this this uh, preseason game. I'm curious what you guys, you know, there's a lot going on um, as usual, um, and a lot of un unsettled uh, uncertainty about the roster and about certain players. Um, let's start with you, Evan, after, you know, we can talk a little bit about the scrimmage um, after this, but what are the things you're looking for going into this game on, on Thursday? Yeah, so that's a good question. Obviously, um, in the first preseason game, the starters typically only play a couple series, maybe a full quarter, the first preseason game. So that's what we can expect for um, starters playing on on Thursday night against the Colts. Um, I'm just thinking back to the scrimmage we watched on Saturday, Brian. There were several things that really stood out to me. Number one um, was Jermaine Ifedi, and I know he's – that, that whole right tackle spot um, has really been in the news recently. And um, where I was sitting actually at training camp in scrimmage, right when that, like right when I fed he got pulled, I was sitting like right at the perfect angle to see exactly what happened. And there were several tweets from several different people about, you know, the whole team groaning when he false started. And I cannot tell you how absolutely true that was. I don't know if you could hear it from, your seats, Brian, but there was like a visceral reaction <laughs> from team members, and and you could you could literally hear the pain in their voices <laughs> and in their groans when when he false started. So uh, I, I think the whole Jermaine Ifedi situation is something to watch. Um, I think it looks like they might be keeping Fant at left tackle, and just we saw some news today that Jamarco Jones actually got some time at right tackle. Um, that will be interesting because I believe he was a fifth or sixth round pick for us this year in the 2018 draft. What was that? It was fifth. Fifth round. So we'll see if he can get some time there. Um, right tackle spot is super interesting to me. Um, I'm, this is the classic cliche excitement player. I'm really excited to see what Shaquem Griffin does this Thursday. Um, I, I assume he's going to get a lot of time to prove his worth and, and see what he can do. So hopefully we see his speed show up on, on Thursday and, and uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how they use him. Um, other player I'm looking for is uh, Trey flowers. I want to see how he does in coverage. Um, There's some optimism and hype from Pete Carroll around him. And, and if he could develop into, you know, the starting corner opposite of, of Shaq Griffin and uh, in that trio with Justin Coleman, That'd be a pretty young, good group. So those are just some of the players I'm watching. Yeah, well, I would encourage you to take a look at the chat um, while we're going around table here because uh, there's a lot of debate about your food takes going on right now. Um, oh, boy. This, this, oh, we're going to have to keep this thing on the rails or uh, it's quickly going to be about pie and cake for, for the next hour. So, Jeff, um, what about you? Where, where, do your, where do your eyes take you? Um, heading into this game? Uh, well, Evan hit on the key one. The last couple of years, the biggest thing that stood out when the Seahawks played their first preseason game has always been how bad their offensive line has looked. And I remember there was a game a couple of years ago when Wade Phillips was in Denver and Von Miller, and they, they couldn't block anyone. So obviously, we just want to see how different the offensive line looks because that's something that does translate into gameplay more than what you might see in practice. And I just want to see how different they look if they're gluing. Obviously, a Fetty is a big key. And for me, the big one, and we've talked about this pretty much since we've got back together, is the wide receiver group. And two, two weeks ago when we were talking, we, we were basically at Code Red when we were going through the depth chart and 
I'm a total sucker for training camp and preseason storylines, but I'm totally buying into these guys all of a sudden. And maybe I'm a sucker for it, but I've been excited about what I've heard about Jaron Brown and Brandon Marshall sounds pretty good. It sounds like from some research I was doing today, the team still is pretty high on David Moore and Marcus Johnson. So I'm interested to see who flashes. I haven't mentioned Keenan Reynolds yet or Stringfellow, and maybe I'm a total sucker, but I'm excited to see these guys because two weeks ago or when we started talking, they seem like a disaster, and I know Doug's not going to play. Lockett might not play, but I think that's a lot. Of, there's a lot of interesting guys, and I'm going to be interested to see how they fit in this week. Yeah, have we heard anything about why Lockett was held out um, on Saturday, and did he practice today? I don't. I didn't hear anything. Did I, I did not see anything. No. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm kind of hopeful he does play a little bit. Um, Full. And uh, it was interesting they held him out in the scrimmage. I'm hoping that was just so they can see more of the other players and make some some deeper roster decisions. But but uh, I guess we'll see. Sounds like Lockett was out today. Was he out today? I mean, Condota said that Marcus Smith, Justin Britt, and Tom Johnson were all back. And then said Marshall and Brown were the starting wide receivers and base offense to start out. So Ooh. guessing that's a no on Tyler. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's hope that's nothing serious. Um, but uh, all right, Nathan, what, where where are your eyes going to be when uh, uh, when the kickoff happens? What are you going to be looking for? Uh, I'm really interested to see what this offense looks like. Um, obviously, there's a question about how much they're going to try to run, and you know, are they going to try to run into eight man boxes and all that? Um, but uh, also just seeing what's different about the passing offense. Like it sounds pretty obvious that they're just going to throw the running backs a, a bunch more. Um, and that's already, you know, shown itself in training camp and the practice game and all that. Um, but then what else do they do? You know, what kind of formations are they running? Do we see a bunch of I form? Um, that's been a shoddy staple for a while. So is that something that, you know, they, they mix back in fullback usage, personnel packages, all that kind of stuff. I'm really interested to see, um, just what Shadi's going to do with this offense. It's a high-tech offense, Nathan. It's an extremely high-tech offense, so I'm excited to see all the gadgets. and. Uh, I just want to make sure that's clear for everybody listening listening to the pod. It's a high-tech Schottenheimer offense. I mean, yeah. they're going to like, have laser beams and <laughs> infrared, and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. What, what, like, what do you think that pete thinks that means when he said that so for people that don't know he he made reference to um the high-tech offense right um and he was talking specifically about alex magoo the rookie quarterback third stringer he was having a really rough time it's a pretty um you know indelicate words for for magoo uh and he basically said hey it's a high-tech offense it's going to be tough for him so i'm wondering i'm wondering what you guys think I think it means that Pete's like an 86-year-old man and high-tech things to old people are confusing and scary and complicated. I, I don't know. Like, I don't. I didn't take it as a good thing. I mean, I, I'm sure he meant it as a good thing. I'm sure he means that there's all these wrinkles and things they're doing. But, like, to me, it just sounded like our offense is complicated and our rookie can't pick it up. Like, maybe that's just on Magoo, but... I, I don't know that Pete's going out and saying it's high tech. I don't. I don't know. I I, I don't think it's going to be anything good. 
Yeah, I mean, my my kind of take is that some of it was regarding. Uh, I've heard rumors that there's more, a little bit more run pass option baked in, um, that there's a little bit more uh, uh, route, more options for the receivers and, and the route trees that they run. Um, and those are things that they haven't done before. So, or haven't done as much of supposedly. Uh, so <laughs> maybe, I mean, those are things that almost every NFL offense has been doing now for a while. Um, and so maybe they feel high tech to, to Pete. Um, but I'm interested to see if those actually start showing up. And I guess a, a sign for me that those might be in there would be more, probably more evidence of miscommunication between the quarterback and the receiver. You know, if, if you see Russell throwing it to a place and the receivers in the completely other place, or he's breaking the wrong direction, you're like, why did Russell throw it there? Um, he threw it right to a defender or something like that possible that part of it is them getting used to um, getting on the same page about how the receiver reads the defense and the coverage versus how uh, Russell reads it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they're, you know, if, if there's a little extra effort trying to just like get lined up. Like, is this just something where they have like, you know, 18 word play calls and stuff like that? Um, and then, yeah, if you're talking about all these different, I mean, some of it's good. Like they needed an infusion of some stuff and they needed to advance the passing game. I think it got really stale, especially the last half of last season under Bevel. But um, I, I don't necessarily take high tech complicated. Our rookie can't pick it up to be a good thing. Uh, hopefully it is, but we'll have to kind of wait and see. And that's, that's just what I'm really excited to see with Shadi. What does this all end up looking like? Yeah, I, I think the, the, Running back group for me is is one that I'm certainly interested to see live. I mean, running game is one of the hardest things to assess in practice, even in a scrimmage. And Rashad Penny finally looked like more than, than an average player in, in the scrimmage, which was nice to see. He actually uh, had some burst. Interesting to hear Pete come out and talk about that he's 236 pounds now. Um, that's... A Does lot. that look like good weight to anybody else? No. <laughs> he looks not great. He looks a little chunky. Well, I'm telling you, he has not been explosive. He's looked better in that scrimmage than he has the rest of camp. And I'm curious, like, what's he going to look like against live contact? Uh, I've seen him take some pretty big hits um, and not necessarily break through them. So I'm really curious to see him. I'm excited to see Chris Carson. I mean, typically the number one back doesn't get a lot of time, but man, that guy covered 65 yards in like five seconds uh, in the scrimmage. I mean, he caught that pass and was just gone. Uh, be, I mean, it's beating the second teamers, but it was, he's a big man and he, he's definitely faster than Penny. There's no doubt to me he's faster than Penny. Um, so I'm excited to see him. And, I'm also really just, I don't know if excited is the right word. I'm really curious to see how the secondary looks. Um, I don't think it's by any accident that they're bringing in Dominic rogers Camardi. I think that Byron Maxwell has not looked great in camp, and I don't think he's a guy that you can guarantee is going to hold down that job opposite of uh, Shaquille Griffin. And I absolutely, I'm not buying the Trey Flowers hype, guys. I, I, I hear it from the coaches, and I hear – Ken Norton Jr. saying that there's no limits on how good Trey Flowers can be. I'm not seeing it yet. Uh, I hope I hope I'm you know I'm wrong, but um, I see a guy that's still finding his way and transitioning from safety. And 
other than those two, what other options do they have as a starter on outside? Justin Coleman strictly a slot corner. So uh, I am interested to see how that secondary looks and see if Tedrick Thompson can can step up. You know, I think it, it'd be interesting to watch him play. One note on DRC is I don't I don't think that visit actually happened. I think it was I think it was canceled last second yesterday. He was supposed to was there today though, from what I understood. Oh, got it. Yesterday he came down, but supposedly this morning he was he was coming out. The scariest part of the game is might be watching the pass rush. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Andrew Luck's gonna have a lot of time, I think, potentially, but supposedly they don't have I saw something about they don't have anyone to protect him. Like either they so, have a lot of injuries or or some kind of issues on their offensive line. So do you know who was playing left tackle for them in practice today? No. Marcus Webb. No. Marcus Webb, Marcus Webb was That's getting snapped at first team left tackle. Look it up. Oh my gosh. I'm saving know, it for the show. Okay. So you realize that the headline's gonna be Friday morning that like Brandon Jackson is the best pass rusher. The, they found another diamond in the rush in the rough because he's has like four sacks against Jamarcus Webb. Uh, oh my gosh. I couldn't believe it when I saw it earlier. It, there's no way they're gonna put Andrew Luck in there then, right? I mean, they cannot have they cannot risk his body with Jamarcus Webb at left, like anywhere on the line, let alone left tackle. They had him playing left and right tackle. Anthony Costanzo <laughs> at the same hurt. time. Yeah, <laughs> he can do he, it all. He, he might be the worst offensive lineman we've watched in this whole Tom Cable era. Oh, Robert Gallery is pretty bad. Sal is. I was guessing Bradley. Okay, I, yeah, yeah. Sal, I don't know. I, he wasn't as bad here as he was in that. Bears preseason game, but he was pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Like, wow. all right. That's interesting. But the pass rush, I mean, uh, a guy to watch there that, that has had a, a sneaky good preseason and had a real step forward last year is Jaron Reed. Um, you know, I don't know that he's going to be dominant, but he's definitely looked faster. And another guy on the interior that's getting a little bit more um, buzz lately. Um, and showed up in the scrimmage for sure as Puna Ford, um, who, you know, is a undrafted nose tackle at a, um, is it Texas A&M? Or is he Longhorn? No, he was a, he was a University of Texas. Yeah. yeah, he's Longhorn. So, you know, he's like 5'11". He's super squatty. Um, he has not shown up a lot in the pass rush drills. You know, he's he's really just a high effort, high motor, like big push kind of guy. But he's not necessarily someone that has a lot of finesse to his game. It'd be interesting to see if he uh, if he shows up. So who are the starters at defensive end if Clark doesn't play this week and Jordan doesn't play this week? Is it Marcus Smith and Brandon Jackson? I don't know if Marcus Smith is going to play. He's been injured as well. Um, he was back yeah. today, though. Yeah. Was so, he? Yeah, I guess, yeah. Mingo will probably be on third down edge rusher. Yeah, and, and – uh, Another Nathan on our chat, different Nathan, talked about Dante Johnson, you know, being back. I th he was cleared to practice. I don't know. Did he practice today? Um, you know, he's definitely a guy that he started for the 49ers last year. He was not rated as a very good corner. I, From his rookie year with San Francisco, he always caught my eye. He's a super physical corner. Um He's like six feet at least. Um, I, I'd be really interested to see him start to get some some play. Uh, I don't think 
he does not profile to me as someone who's particularly, you know, stepped down from a, a Byron Maxwell, that's for sure. Um, so Jeff, you know, what are the other, what are the other, you know, questions that you've got um, heading into this part of, of the preseason for the Seahawks? What, what, what does Seahawks need to, to demonstrate to you that uh, will give you some confidence that they've got some, some cornerstones to build on? I think this year, more than anything, you need to see the young players more than wins and losses, almost step up that you can see as core players going forward. And who's going to be that guy on this team? And whether that's Chris Carson or whether that's Shaq Griffin, who's probably going to start this week with KJ Wright's probably not going to play. Maybe Shaq Griffin, a corner Puna Ford. is an interesting guy. Just more interested than maybe a veteran player. I, I want to see who are the young players that Seattle can move forward with. And that's kind of what we saw in 2011, 2012 in the preseason, in the season where at the end of that 2011 season, Pete really said, this is the core that we have that we can move forward with. I think that's more than almost wins and losses is the biggest story of the year. Yeah, Nathan, who's like, who's one player or two players that like, if they played really well, um, forget all the other things that could be at stake. It would be encouraging for you. You'd feel, you'd feel good about what it means for the team, you know, now and maybe in the future. Uh, I think, we just talked about him, um, Frank Clark and Deion Jordan. Um, I, I, and both Jaron Reed and Naz Jones, too. I mean, that that defensive line is going to be a big indicator of what this team will can, can kind of build on going forward. Um, so getting Deion Jordan healthy, seeing Frank Clark take that next step, um, and, and next steps for Jaron Reed and Naz Jones, too, can can Jaron Reed become a more well-rounded player? Um, you know, in terms of, you know, he's, he's great against the run. Can he really start to contribute against the pass? Um, and then, you know, just what can Naz become? I, I think we saw kind of a, a little bit of everything from him. I mean, he's probably not going to be a superstar, um, but he looks like he could be a, a really nice player. And so um, continued growth from those guys. And then, you know, you can keep going down the list of, you know, defensive linemen with, you know, Rasheen Green, too, um, and seeing what they get out of him. Uh, if he can start to – if you see positive play from Rasheen Green this year, I think that's really encouraging just because they're not expecting a lot. You know, he's raw. And so if he comes out and shows that he can play um, early on, then you can really start to talk about some some upside with him. So – um, defensive line seems where they have the most youth and the most potential and the upside. And so seeing that continued growth there would be really, really encouraging in future years. How about you, Evan? Like, you know, besides, uh, wanting the guy that validates your Jersey purchase to play well, um, who, who else are you looking for, uh, on Thursday? His name was mentioned, but it's, I think it's Tedrick Thompson. Maybe it was you, Brian, or maybe it's Jeff. Um, but you know, there's a lot of uncertainty with this Earl situation, and I hate to bring up the negativity that comes with this conversation, but, you know, Earl Thomas could very well not be a Seahawk this year and next year and forever, basically. So we need to potentially start looking at, you know, what happens when he leaves. And if Tedrick Thompson can actually be even average, anything above average, I'm stoked. Um, I, I think that'd be a total win. Um we need to fill his gap somehow. And obviously Earl is a player that you can't completely replace because he's a hall of fame talent, but 
Um, I'd love to see Tedrick ball out in preseason. I think, I think he's somebody that really needs to show out and, you know, the coaching staff really likes this Bradley McDougal, that strong safety and TT at, at a free safety, uh, uh, duo. So, you know, that leaves Delano Hill on the bench, a former third round pick of 2017. So, um, it better be good. It better be good. Yeah. Nathan, I'm curious your, your read on this. So first of all, I'm hearing it's now T2. Oh yeah. T2. T2. Mm-hmm. Oh, I kind of like it. Uh, did you hear KJ Wright's comments about, uh, Mr. Thompson? I didn't. Ooh, you're in for a treat tonight. So, so he was on driving with G, which um, I have to say mostly is painful from my point of view, but but uh, can provide some some interesting insights. And uh, uh, he asked at the very end, you pick, tell me one player, tell the fans one player that you think is going to pop. You know, that's that's you know destined to be you know a good player. And he didn't hesitate. He's like same guy I've been saying since last year, T two. This guy, like he's been making plays. He was he was making every play on the scout team last year. He's you know he's fast. He's uh, you know he's gonna he's gonna play well this year. He's the guy to watch for. And he's like, I'm gonna be a GM one day. I got an eye for these things. You know, he went on and on. And <laughs> you were the first guy I thought of. Uh, so yeah, I mean that's an interesting way to think about it. But like what? What would you have to see from Mr. Thompson in order for you to feel differently about him than than you felt so far? Uh, I mean, obviously the ball skill is showing up. I mean, if he can force turnovers, you know, yeah, great. He can play. Um, But it's just going to be interesting to see, especially if he ends up starting um, and you get into the year where teams are starting to game plan for you. If they're asking him to play center field like they asked Earl to play center field or if he's put in those situations from time to time you know how quickly do teams go right after him because he's not fast um and maybe that's okay and maybe he can make up for it uh but you in that role like just pure physical speed is a part of it Uh, you know being smart and all that will help uh but you know if if he's all alone out there on an island and he's trying to cover for you know shaquille who's good but you know still young and maxi who played well but is not young uh you know i i'm really hesitant about those situations and you know, on the one side, he's got that big playability and that he supposedly has these great ball skills and he's making all these plays in camp and all that or whatever. But he can also give up big plays real fast the other way if that's the role he's in and he can't cover that ground, you know. So I just need to see him kind of be sound more than anything. And then, you know, if he, if he starts showing up um, making plays, turn, picking the ball off, you know, that kind of stuff, then, yeah, maybe maybe the, the story is a little different. And we'll... we'll just seeing him. I mean, we haven't seen this guy on the field. When we did in preseason last year, he was getting torched, right? Which is exactly what you're worried about with him. So um, he just needs to put some good tape out there. And, you know, then I can change my tune if, if he does that. Yeah, I would argue that if, if if he can look really solid at the safety spot, that would be one of the biggest things that the Seahawks could walk away with. Like, talk about one of the biggest open question marks on the roster right now. It's safety. I mean, you've got the Earl situation, you've got, um, 
Bradley McDougall, who is a serviceable starter, but certainly not an above average one. And, um, you know, if Thompson really can look like the guy, uh, you know, Maurice Alexander, people are saying because he's injured, that's part of the reason he's not, he hasn't been in there. Certainly that that's part of the reason. But when I saw Maurice Alexander play, he got beat deep right away. Um, and they put Tedrick Thompson in there pretty quickly. And, um, I'm not certain that, that the team's better off with Bradley McDougal at free safety and Maurice Alexander at strong. Um, so we'll see. Uh, and, and they were me, running with that at one point, right? They were. They Alexander were. got hurt, but right. they were running. That was the starting duo. That's right. No, I think that was kind of the odds-on favorite going in. Maurice Alexander was a starter last year in St. Louis, so it's not not hard to imagine. I just I, – I see those as two limited upside vets. And I don't think that bodes well for the Seahawks future. If they can get a young safety in there that's actually won the job and it's earned the starting spot, I think that's a really meaningful. I'm always looking for a compare. I mean, yes, you can have someone come in and be their own unique self, but who's another, you know, impact safety that has the the physical profile of Tedrick Thompson, you know, from a speed, from a size, like, I'm just not sure. I want to believe that there's an upside to Tedrick beyond just beating out mediocre veterans. You know, um, that's part of what I'm looking for. The guy like physically that I, that comes to mind was Roman Harper, uh, because that dude was slow and we saw him getting torched by BMW and Brandon Stokely in that, you know, the Beastquake game. He's pretty Roman big, Harper, right? Yeah. Roman Harper was a, a different, like he was a strong safety. I think he had like, Double digit sacks one year or something like that crazy. Like he could actually like get after the quarterback a little bit from the safety spot, which was weird. But yeah, there's there's not a lot of guys where you look at him and you're like, oh yeah, maybe he can su- succeed like this other guy. I was thinking like Jordan Babineau maybe. Like uh, is that his his upside? Is is being like Babineau or or like maybe Eugene Robinson? Eugene Robinson was so good. Like he and he had speed. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of somebody who who profiles, but. You know, hopefully he comes out and he just proves he's he's worth the the time. But so looking yeah. at his mock draftable quickly. Oh, that's always fun. Spider graph. Yeah, it's, it's the spider graph comparisons. So his comparisons for free safety are James Boyd. Never heard of him. Trey Boston. Um, I think he played in the league, but uh, oh, he's not, yeah, not remarkable. Brandon Taylor. Um, Brian Bonner. Calvin Pryor, who was a pretty big bust. Um, I don't think he's really worked out. Eric Olson, Marcus Ray, Demon Moore, Abdul Howard. So, a lot of nobodies in there. <laughs> yeah. um, speaking of big question marks and and big things, Jeff, offensive line. You know, um, what do you need to see to feel like um, things are moving in the right direction there? I think a big one, and probably something we should have mentioned in the last question, is Ethan Posick. I think left tackles. You know, I th- you you know you're getting a left tackle. You know you're getting at center. Right tackle is a whole other story. But Posick is one of the guys who can really take that first to second year jump. And if you can solidify the left side of the line with him, that really does make you comfortable in terms of a group you can really grow with the next three years. In terms of if Posick can really hold down the position and show that his strength is showing up on the field because he struggled with bull rushes really bad last year. He was really high in blown blocks. I've been... Baldwin always tweets that out. And if he can really, if the scheme change does help him, to me, he's a guy I'm going to circle. I'm going to really watch in the preseason. 
And Jamarco Jones, who I haven't mentioned earlier, that's a guy I want to see. I want to see him challenge Afedi because Afedi doesn't seem to be progressing, and maybe he'll show up in the game. But the fact that he's taking sounds like from you guys were at the game Saturday. Sounds like there were groans all over the field when he was making mistakes, and I don't know if his team they're starting to lose confidence in him. I know Evan and I were texting about Afedi the other day. Um, sounds like a fascinating you know, text conversation. Well, if we when we get Evan going about Afedi in a couple minutes, uh, it'll be more <laughs> interesting than you think. <laughs> but yeah, right guard is a lot more interesting. I don't know if Sweezy will play, but from the sounds of it, it doesn't sound like DJ Fluker's moving very well and his knee doesn't look very good. And there's a lot of stories that came out this week on Sweezy's pass protection last year. And there was one thing I actually noticed during the year. I watched a lot of Tampa Bay for whatever reason last year. I can't tell you why. But Sweezy was a complete opposite player that he was in Seattle. His run blocking was terrible and he figured out how to pass protect. I think pro football focus numbers show that too, but it was very strange watching them. I wonder why. Hmm. <laughs> so interesting. Yeah, elaborate on that one. Yeah, what a you, you have a hypothesis there, Evan? Huh. Interesting. Okay. Okay. No, but those plays were those I, those snapshots that uh, uh, Ben Baldwin put on Twitter were actually really, really encouraging. And I know uh, I think Sam Gold pushed out an article um, in the past couple of days about that too. Um, I think he, I expect him to be the starter at right guard. Um, DJ. Okay. We're not talking about DJ Fluker. Something is wrong with him. He like cannot walk. I, I don't know if Brian, you noticed the same thing at training camp, him just standing on the sideline that left, I think it's his left knee or left leg looks problematic. Like he's constantly stretching it out. He's like limping and it really hasn't been talked about too much. I don't think in in press conferences, maybe I'm wrong, but have you noticed the same thing? I, I haven't actually. I heard Hugh Millen uh, was talking about it before the scrimmage. I heard you talking about it after you and I were talking about that a little bit. I, you know, what I saw, I have to admit, I have not been focusing on him. So it, it's not, it's not, it absolutely could be happening and I just haven't seen it. Um, I saw after the first drive or maybe it was the second drive um, actually on, on Saturday that you know, he was coming off the field, um, looked healthy, looked pumped about the the long drive. The first drive was, you know, one play, 65-yard touchdown to Carson. But the second drive, they moved down the field. He looked really pumped about it. So, I don't know. Um, maybe it's an issue. Um, I think having Sweezy around is is good. I'd rather him be pushing, pushing Fluker at right guard than, like, you know, uh, Riso Diombo or something like that, right? Like, so, uh, yeah, I think it's only goodness that Sweezy's around. Sweezy seemed to be out a little bit. Hopefully, he's going to play in this game. I'd like to get to see as many snaps as we can of him um, in game action uh, to get a feel for, for what both of them look like. Can we talk about Ifedi for a second? Here we go. I, I've, been, I've been storing up some feelings about Jermaine over the past couple of days. Past several years, actually. I, Evan Hill, love John Schneider. I want to be clear about that. However, John Schneider has failed to give Jermaine Ifedi any solid right tackle competition. This is a joke. Jermaine Ifedi, former first round pick of, what was it, 2016? He's a big baby being handed the job every single year. 
what is that? Like, that's the weird thing to me. Like, okay, he's a first round pick. You like him. He's a mauler. Tom Cable's an idiot, whatever. But like, the dude seems like a total, like, not a guy you want to be around. Like, not a guy that anyone on this team likes. And they, like you said, like, they hand him this job year after year. Like, of all the people to not push and not give competition, I, I don't get it being a Fetty. You just took the words out of my mouth. I completely agree, Nathan. We for all the for all the preaching this program does about competition, this is a joke. He doesn't have any solid competition at right tackle. Um, George Fant or Jamarco Jones, those are really two kind of desperate wishes at right tackle. He's had he's competing with nobody that is legit or even okay. Isaiah Battle's not okay. He's below average, probably bad. Jermaine Ifedi, I get this like, and I'm speculating here, but I, I get this like mentally weak vibe from him. And he just seems like a guy that really struggles with focus and concentration on the field, evident by his, evidenced by his many penalties from 2017 and even training camp on Saturday. If I had a freaking penny for how many times he had a penalty on Saturday, I'd be an in and out franchise owner. It's, it's absolutely insane. So I'm, I'm, I'm completely frustrated by the Jermaine Ifedi situation. Um, I think it's going to be a problem during this season. Are you more frustrated with that or the Tanner McAvoy problem? <laughs> They're both problems, Brian. They're both problems. Um, How's Tanner been doing? I haven't really heard his name much. In, uh, Is that surprising game. to you? A little. I don't know. He seems like the kind of guy that might make a splash player too in training camp. No, he's running like late in the in the wide receiver depth chart. I mean, he successfully handed off a couple water bottles on Saturday. Oh, oh come on, dude! <laughs> hey, let's not let's not joke. Handoffs are a very important skill in this offense. So, yeah, are, um, yeah I, no, I think Tanner's got a long. He's got a he's got a lot of competition, um, mainly because he's not all that good at, at what he does. I think, but. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing like ahead of him guys like Keenan Reynolds and, and, uh, that's a guy that has been interesting. And, and we've talked about John Brown and string fellows, another one. And, um, you know, there's, there's a fair number of receivers that'll be interesting to see play, but on the offensive line with the Fetty, like, look, I mean, they have not had competition at a lot of position at, at a fair number of positions that I think they needed it at. Um, they haven't brought in meaningful competition at the safety spot for a number of years. And they finally have and now, and it's, you know, we're, we're in the situation we are because they have not been building up depth there. They haven't really been bringing in competition at, um, at the linebacker spot or at the cornerback spot for a number of years. And so now you've got a really, you had a really thin depth chart there. Um, Punter, Michael, one's going to push John Ryan. Who's been really one of the, he's not been one of the better punters in the NFL over the last couple of years. And he's just had his job. John Schneider works out with him every morning and, and, you know, can't tell me that there's not a little nepotism going on there. So I, I agree with you that, 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 Competition has not been the theme of the Seahawks. Show me, put it another way, show me where competition has shown up for the Seahawks in the last three years. Where is that really like a, a guy came in and besides a guy at the bottom of the roster fighting his way on to the roster, show me where someone has been given an opportunity to really push out and has successfully pushed out a starter. 
You Chris could Carson, say, maybe. You could say Chris Carson, maybe. Yeah. But that took some. That took some Eddie Lacy failure. Like <laughs> you had to be Eddie Lacy bad. And, like because he didn't start right. No. The, that Packer game was the Eddie Lacy revenge game. They tried to set that up for him, right? And it wasn't for. Uh, you know, a game or two into the season until he was really getting all the runs. So uh, I don't even think you can say Carson did it. Yeah. And that's a little bit of a different situation. That was an open competition at running back, right? Like Marshawn was gone. You had Thomas Rawls coming back, but you didn't necessarily know what you had in him. You had Eddie Lacy, who was the, the, the pricey vet, if there was one in the group. And, you know, you had a bunch of other, you know, Mike Davis, like that, that was an open competition. I'm talking about where has there been, an established veteran that's been pushed out in the last few years by a young up and comer. Like, I don't think that's happened. You know, I love like, uh, everybody knows I love Jermaine curse, but, uh, you before Lockett got hurt, I think curse was pretty clearly, uh, or Lockett was pretty clearly outplaying curse. And even he struggled to yeah. take snaps from curse who, is a solid pro, but like, you know, Tyler Lockett, it was a guy at the time that was really exciting and, and he couldn't even, you know, push through and, and take that job over fully. So it, it's been a serious problem. It, it's been weird. Yeah. And I think maybe the bigger problem is that there hasn't, hasn't been the talent brought in that's demanded it. So um, if I was going to say like, where's been, where's there been a young player that's really pushed for snaps and like forced himself on the field, the closest I would say is Frank Clark. Mm. Right. And, and that's a guy that, I mean, they had stacks of guys in front of them. They had Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill. And, you know, um, at the time they had even more, uh, defensive ends and people on the defensive line and they couldn't keep him off the field. Yes. They, he didn't get a ton of snaps, but he forced his way into that rotation and, I think that's generally what happens with great players is right away early on they cannot be kept off the field because you're like this guy's too good what, what are we doing not putting i just don't think they've had that guy um you can't tell me that you know riso diambo is going to force his way onto the field or you know we, we kind of joke about george Fant, but you know he's a basketball player like these aren't guys that are going to like demand snaps so um I, it does come down to to overall quality of the talent, and you hope that what you see. Um, I, I think think about it as a guy like Justin Coleman. Like he was a guy that that they had to trade for, but once he was there, it was clear that, that he was better than Jeremy Lane. Like there's no way you're going back to Jeremy Lane in the in the nickel once you had Justin Coleman. Like where are those players? I don't care if you trade for me, draft him, but you need more of those players. And that's, I'm hoping some of those guys come out in, in preseason this year. This is exactly what Richard Sherman was talking about a couple of weeks ago. And he kind of got hated on, but he was the one who kind of went after Fetty a couple of years ago. I think they had a fight and I think that came out later. They had a fight. And so it's, he's, he wasn't really out of line in what he was saying. This is. Well, yeah, I mean, Richard's got his, his own takes. And no, I wasn't saying everything he said was right. I'm just saying this was <laughs> his overall point was sort of the, the competition that made them so good. It's sort of went away. That probably comes down to drafting. Yeah. So one thing I will I will say, I'm curious, Evan, if, if this stood out to you, and it's really, it's really hard to judge in these scrimmages. I thought Russell looked really sharp. You know, we don't talk about Russell much because, you know, everyone knows Russell's a – Pro Bowl, near all pro level quarterback, one of the, you know, definitely one of the top 10, um, maybe one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. And 
he doesn't have a lot left to prove. Um, but I thought he was particularly sharp in the scrimmage um, and uh, was throwing the ball all over the field to different places. And it's a little hard to tell because they were going against what I thought was a really, really suspect secondary. Yeah. Um, but did he stand out to you in, in kind of the, the rhythm, the timing, the, the accuracy of the throws he was making? Yeah. Yeah, he was real sharp. Uh, one thing I noticed was his footwork looked really improved. The one thing that comes with a high-tech offense, <laughs> Dottenheimer haters, is accountability in this new offense. Um, <laughs> obviously, I'm not <laughs> the thing. But, uh, but um, you know, he, he looked sharp. And, you know, it's not really Russell. This, this comment isn't really Russell-focused, but maybe it is. His, his chemistry with Jaron or Jaron, Jaron, whatever it is, Brown was, it came out of left field, Brian. What the heck was with that? Jaron Brown had like, felt like 45 receptions and their chemistry was off the chain on Saturday. So that was, um, that was great to see. Yeah. I, I think we expected from Russell every single camp, but um, he looked clean. His footwork looked good. And you could tell he was really focused on the, focusing on his footwork on the sidelines with, with Brian and, and um, yeah, if, if it, we always talk about it, but if they can give him a decent offensive line this year, that's the year Russell Wilson's an MVP. Well, I mean, that's, I'm interested, like Nathan and Jeff, like Tom Brady has not typically been surrounded by the top talent, you know, at every position. Um, and he is an incredibly tough compare because he's maybe the best player that's ever played the game, especially at that position. So, so all that, you know, take into account, but I'm kind of curious, like, are there things that you, you, you'd be looking for that would help you feel confident? Like Russell was the entire offense last year, pretty much. Um, that wasn't enough for the, the team to be good. Uh, and there was other things around there. Are there things that you'd be looking for that would make you feel more confident that he could carry the team, um, you know, not just be the bulk of their offense, but actually carry them to be, a, you know, a, a powerful, credible offense. Because ultimately they only scored about 22 a game last year. So it was not a great offense, even though he was most of it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I really want to see these preseason games. I'm getting really excited because, to be honest, like I'm getting nervous about this team a little bit and about this defense because – we're talking about like, okay, maybe Keenan Reynolds, you know, who was a quarterback in college and, uh, you know, didn't do anything for two years in the NFL. Maybe he's figured it out and maybe he's put it together and maybe he's, you know, the next step Baldwin and maybe 34 year old Brandon Marshall is having a resurgence and he really is in the best shape of his life. And maybe Will Disley running away from a safety, like is about a great route. He ran like, there's a lot of stuff where like there are players who we have good reason. Like Jerron Brown was the fourth receiver in Carolina. Jerron Brown was getting pushed for playing time in Snape's or what what I say? You said Carolina, but I mean, Oh, sorry. Arizona. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, but he was getting pushed for snaps by guys like, uh, like JJ Nelson and, you know, guys like that. Like these are not maybe, maybe, Shoddy got these guys together and he whipped them up into shape. And what Nate is Nate Carroll, the new wide receivers coach. Is that right? Is maybe mm -hmm. he's doing its thing. Like, I don't know, but I don't 
I think these guys playing well might be more about the defense than about these guys. So getting them out and like seeing what, you know, Brandon Marshall looks like against another team and against, you know, I mean, it's the Colts, so it's going to be tough to tell right away. But <laughs> if you think the Seahawks defense is bad, have you seen the Colts depth chart? I was looking at yeah, it. Yeah, it's not good. Oh, my God. They're one of the worst teams in the NFL, I think, right? I mean, they, they got one of the top. Horrible. Yeah, at least on defense, yeah. So, I mean, this is going to take a little while. But right now, I'm just really nervous. I really just want to see them go make a play against another team so I can just feel good about it. And I can just be like, yeah, Brandon Marshall went up over that dude and caught that ball. And that was great. And I don't have to worry about it. But, like, right now, like, a lot of this points to maybe some serious problems on the defense. And I know they were going to get the twos in this practice game and, and that, you know, probably should be, you know, bullet point number one in that discussion. But uh, it, it's a little concerning to me right now, the type of guys they have that they're making these big plays and like balling out against the Seahawks. Defense. Well, here's a note of caution before I hand it over to you, Jeff, like anyone remember who, which team led the NFL in total offense in preseason? Was it the Browns? Guessing nobody. It was the Seattle Seahawks with 408 yards of total offense per game. And you want to guess where they finished uh, in the NFL in rushing offense in the preseason last year? This is the team that we talked about, like one of the worst rushing offenses in the history of football last year. They finished fourth in the NFL, 134 yards per game rushing last year. So even the preseason is full of mirage and you don't really know until teams are game planning until you see ones versus ones for multiple quarters it's tough it is really tough i mean it's it's even tougher in practice but um i, I remember two seasons in a row now in the preseason i thought oh the offensive line looks better <laughs> i i'm like been super skeptical and I go in and I watch and they're pushing guys around and they're pass blocking a little bit better. And I think maybe this is finally gelling. And then the real games start and the real offensive line shows up. So um, I don't know how you, how you kind of adjust for that, but you know, I believe Chris Carson is a star. I, 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 I believe Chris Carson can end up being um a difference making running back, not just a good starter, but I think he can be something special. Him plus Russell plus, I don't know, this offensive line. I, I'm, I'm not there yet believing that they're better. Um, I think the best hope to believe that they're going to be better is that somehow they're running the offense differently and Mike Solari is coaching them differently and they're not doing everything zone blocking. Maybe they're doing more power or I don't know. Um, but I don't believe that just Jermaine Effetti another year and my, Ethan Posick another year with more weight. I don't believe that that's enough to make them better. Um, so it's going to take me a little time. I don't think I'll really believe it until I see it in the regular season with the offensive line. I think we're all just hoping that they're just functional. <laughs> like the right? fifth year in a row. Yeah. High exactly. standard. Really high standard. <laughs> hey, compared to last year or the, the last three years. Yeah. If it's just below average, that's <laughs> a large improvement. But I, they I, don't they okay. don't have the talent to just go with below average anymore. I mean, they still got Russ and and he'll oh, play the offensive line. I know, but like I, I don't know. Like we've been saying this for a long time. Like, well, if they could just be below average, if they could just be below average, well, Maybe, I mean, 
if they can just be below average this year, is is Russ alone enough to do it? Is he going to carry Jerome Brown and, you know, ancient Brandon Marshall and, you know, maybe no Doug and we'll see what's going on with Lockett. But, you know, he, Lockett's still got a lot of proof even if he's, he gets right back out there. So I, I, I don't know. That's why this wide receiver thing fascinates me so much because I admit before I might be a total sucker and I was totally buying into Jerome Brown this weekend. <laughs> it might be one of the dumbest things I've ever done. But well, I'll, t- I'll throw out another couple guys that I'm interested in seeing. Um, one of them should be, you know, we- we've talked about him every time since he's been drafted, but Shaquem Griffin, I think, could very likely get the start in this game. K.J. Wright's been held out with some injuries. I, I don't think they have any reason to play K.J. Wright. They know what he's going to do. Um, I would love to see Shaquem Griffin get some time with the starters. He's been coming on strong. When I've been watching him play, he's he's making – I've seen him now – Make plays in the passing game, you know, picking off passes, playing good coverage. I've seen him close ground, force fumble. I've seen him make multiple plays against the run in the backfield, both in pursuit and setting the edge. You know, he's showing a lot, and and I think it's really interesting. You know, just get a chance to see him against uh, against ones would be great. And the other guy that I'm kind of curious about, he's gotten some some discussion. For me, he has not shown up as much in his play as just seeing him as an athlete and how he moves is Jacob Martin. Um, really interesting athlete, combination of power and some speed, and could factor into the pass rush, could factor in at Sam Linebacker. I have to say, Barkevius Mingo is not jumped out to me. The guy's supposed to be a special athlete. I think Martin looks more interesting he looks a little more twitchy than mingo does so um i'm a little interested to see what martin looks like as well and you know anything you can find on the 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 pass rush would be great uh, i don't know this guy uh, with a pretty advanced just in terms of tech and his pass rush and stuff like he was a fun guy to watch go back and watch the college clips and stuff because he he knew what he was doing he had really active hands and stuff so he was undersized and i, I don't think he was particularly athletic i don't remember his his combine numbers, but he's a guy that like could effort his way into some nice plays and so into a little role. So I talked over you. You say Mingo or no or Martin. 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 Yeah, yeah. He, he's interesting and um another guy that has been out a lot. I, mean, I haven't really seen him play much is Shamar Steven. That's another of the free agent defensive lineman from the Vikings. The Seahawks been talking him up, but. I haven't really seen him as much. Um, and I'm curious to see what he's going to look like uh, against starters. So there's some other guys. Um, I haven't heard anyone say anything about Austin Davis or, you know, Magoo. You guys aren't like dying to see Magoo time. Well, so going back to the, I'm a little nervous about this team. I heard Magoo actually looked okay. Was he running with the twos in that mock game? No, he was the third straight. Okay. So who, what were they playing? What was he playing against the ones or the twos? But, yeah. He was playing against the ones. Cause like, both who the dropped, the three play against the ones, and the one plays against the twos. Who dropped the touch, or who, uh, with CJ Procise that bobbled uh, a touchdown or bobbled a big play into Bradley McDoodle's hand? Yes, he did. He dropped two touchdowns. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see Magoo. I, I don't know. They talked him up, but I watched him a little bit. He He's an interesting kind of, like, total wild card guy, and it's cool that after he got kind of after Carol like dunked on him that he went out and played well. So I'm excited for Magoo. All right, fellas, we, uh, we're going to do something new on Thursday for folks that are uh, sticking around here. Um, we're going to do the, the next pod is going to be 
Thursday night during the Seahawks game. We're going to start uh, in the fourth quarter. Depending on how it goes, we might even uh, do something next time where we uh, do the whole game and just hang out uh, and, and talk and watch. We'll see how, how it plays out. We'll start in the fourth quarter this time. We'll let everybody know. Um, please come and join us. Join on the, uh, uh, the chat. We'll talk through it. We'll talk on Twitter, do all that stuff. And we'll talk about what we're seeing as it's happening, um, what we're noticing. And, and it's a good chance for us all to be interested to hear, you know, what Evan's paying attention to versus what Nathan's paying attention to versus what Jeff's paying attention to. And uh, Evan will likely be eating something and talking about that as well. So, My Loft House sugar cookies. Those are my Seahawks game go-to. They're solid. Those are solid. They're hard. They, those are hard to resist uh, buying, and I have to say, they 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 often don't live up to the hype. Sorry. They're fine cuisine. They're a fine American cuisine. <sighs> Nathan, did you have something you wanted to say there? I saw you biting your lip. No, no, I agree. Uh, American cuisine at its finest. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, awesome. Well, thank you guys for, for another fun night. Um, we will uh, reconvene Thursday. And uh, until then, uh, go Hawks. Check it out. Thursday night. <laughs>